I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. Usually we call this show a celebration of the world's hidden wonders. But today, it's not quite that. We're going to explore a stretch of France with a violent history. A place that no one who experienced it is alive to remember, but where the land itself bears the scars. The area is known collectively as the Zone Rouge, or Red Zone. It's filled with World War I battlefields that witnessed unimaginable destruction. Destruction so bad that in some cases, humans have never been allowed to return. The Zone Rouge, after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. When World War I ended, French authorities went to the northeastern corner of the country. And bit by bit, they surveyed a massive chunk of land for damage. The war had decimated more than 1,200 square kilometers, or 460 square miles of land. That's a region bigger than Paris, Kyoto, or Chicago. They divided it into three colors, uh, and the most badly damaged was colored red, so that's the Zone Rouge. Tom Isett is a journalist who's traveled through the Zone Rouge, and he's seen firsthand what was left behind by some of the biggest, most devastating battles of World War I. Included in the Zone Rouge were the battlefields of Passchendaele, Cambrai, the Somme, the Aisne, the Argonne, uh, Verdun, and Saint-Michel. So all of the significant battlefields of the First World War came within the Zone Rouge. At Verdun alone, roughly 300,000 people were killed during a 10-month battle, the longest of the war. And over the course of the entire war, more than a million soldiers lost their lives in the Zone Rouge. Only a few years earlier, that same number of people, around a million, had been living in what would become the Zone Rouge. Many of them were farmers and they had made their living off the land. But in 1919, after the French government finished their assessment, they could only reach one conclusion. The land was uninhabitable. No one could live on it. No one could farm on it. No matter how you framed it, no matter what statistic you focused on, the scale of the damage was nearly unimaginable. 
there were so many trenches that it required 330 million cubic meters of earth to fill mm. those trenches. Barbed wire, 375 million square meters of barbed wire had to be cleared. Uh, 440,000 buildings had to be rebuilt. And uh, 1,500 square miles of woodland needed replanting. And those are just the things that were visible to the naked eye. Beneath the surface, an ecological crisis was brewing, one with no obvious repair. You know, on the Western Front, uh, they fired 66 million gas shells. So around about 125 million tons of poison gas was released over these fields. Every shrapnel shell that was fired contained around 300 lead ball bearings. Uh, so there are literally billions of lead balls in the soil, all leaching toxins into the, the water, into the soil. In just a few short years, fields that were once bursting with life were rendered barren. The barbed wire and leaking lead were the ghosts of what had happened there, haunting the land long after the battles had ended. But as it turned out, the land wouldn't be abandoned for long. The million-plus people who had been displaced, who'd become refugees within their own country, wanted to return to their way of life, or at least some version of it. And they lobbied hard for the right to go home. They were allowed back throughout 1919 and 1920. A lot of them ended up living in cellars, living in old dugouts on the battlefields because, you know, their farm was now just, uh, you know, 50 acres of shell holes. So they had to clear, they had to fill, they had to start replanting. So it was incredibly hard for these, these poor people. Um, but that was the Zone Rouge then. Over the years, it shrunk in size because people wanted their farms back. Remember, at first, 460 square miles had been labeled uninhabitable. But in the face of this public pressure, France relented. So today, the Zone Rouge is less than one-fifth of its original size. The rest of it has been given back to agriculture, despite the fact that it's incredibly polluted. But even in the parts of the zone where restrictions were lifted, some people are still paying the price. In 2012, the French authorities told the villagers in 550 villages in northeastern France that they shouldn't drink the tap water because it's full of uh, pollution um, in animals found around the Zone Rouge, they found arsenic levels up to 10,000 times the normal level. So don't eat wild boar sausages that come from the Zone Rouge because <laughs> they're pretty toxic. The families that still live there don't want to evacuate the Zone Rouge. So they live by the land's poison rules, hoping for the best, but knowing that at any moment, the ghosts of the war might return. I think it's 2015, farmers had to destroy 40,000 US gallons of milk. And they were told very specifically by the French authorities not to talk about it. 
obviously they went straight to the papers and did talk about it. But, you know, so the French authorities are aware that there are significant problems, but no one really wants to deal with it. Of course, for many of the people living in the Zone Rouge today, life doesn't feel like a constant crisis. The land that they live on is just that, their land. A few years ago, Tom Isett was biking through the Zone Rouge when he ran out of water. One of the problems with cycling across the Zone Rouge is that uh, the French countryside is empty. You know, you go through all these villages, there's not a shop there. And in the middle of the afternoon, I ended up in a small village in the middle of the Zone Rouge, knocking on people's doors to ask them for some water. A family let him in. They gave him some water and they got to talking. And Tom, who's a journalist, wanted to know what they thought about life in the Zone Rouge. They basically had no idea. Uh, They didn't seem terribly concerned. You know, uh, French farmers in places like the Zone Rouge, life is pretty hard. Um, So I don't think they expend much time worrying too much about what happened 100 years ago, even though it could be very detrimental to their own health. Even after everything that Tom has described, the arsenic and the lead ball bearings and the poison milk, it's easy to see how people might feel that way, that the Zone Rouge is no longer real. The restricted areas are only a tiny fraction of their original size. And in truth, the horrors aren't usually visible to the naked eye. You know, there, there is there is a still a lot of evidence of the First World War. It's called the Iron Harvest. And, and mm-hmm. what happens is that farmers plow this stuff up. And what they usually do is they leave it on the side of their field. And the French authorities are summoned to come and take it away and explode it. But, you know, you will find a stack of 30 or 40 75 millimeter rounds lying by the side of the road. It's not just rounds that get dug up. There are, of course, bodies, too. Pieces of bone or entire remains. A million people died there. When Tom went to visit Verdun, part of the original Zone Rouge and the place where the longest battle of World War I was fought, he says he couldn't really see the battlefield clearly, but he could feel it. Sepulchral, I suppose, is how I would describe Verdun. It feels like some kind of terrible tragedy happened here, and it did. You know, 600,000 people died in a small area around this town. And it still feels like that even 100 years later. There is a sort of feeling of gloom, of damp, of, yeah, graveyards. It does feel like a big, big graveyard. If you go to the Zone Rouge, it might take some effort to see more than just beautiful countryside, to hear more than just pastoral quiet. But if you know what happened there, it's hard not to hear the land itself crying out. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Thanks to Tom Isett. He is the author of Riding Through the Zone Rouge, an account of a hazardous bicycle race that took place in the Zone Rouge in 1919, just after World War I. This episode was reported by Matthew Taub. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, John Delore, and Peter Clowney. 
Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luz Fleming. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.